0: Welcome to the Nickel Package. It's conference championship weekend in the NFL. I'm Rob Pozzola, joined by Joe Fortbaugh of the National Football Post as we break down this weekend's big games. Joe, last week, pretty successful for both of us. I know uh, Carolina was a bit of a dud, but uh, Seattle, New Orleans under, the Carolina, San Fran under. We get that backdoor cover with San Diego against Denver. All in all, it was a pretty good week.
1: Yeah, I was pretty happy about it. Um, wild card round wasn't great for me, but going in the last weekend, I, I thought we had a better handle on some of these games. I really liked that under in the Carolina game. I ended up getting more and more on that as we got closer to kickoff. And uh, the first half didn't look great when you added it up, but eventually those defenses settled down and uh, did what they needed to do. So all in all, that was a good weekend. Uh, the Chargers ended up covering like we thought they would, which was nice. Even though it took a while for them to open that thing up, but all in all, uh, you know, we did pretty solid there. So I'm hoping we can find a way to come up with a couple angles for this week because these are some tough numbers to try to crack.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and there was a bit of luck involved, obviously, with that Chargers Broncos game. Uh, we needed an onside kick. Uh, that's not to say the game was over if they didn't recover that onside kick, but chances would have been slim of the cover there. But uh, we talked about this last week. We had you know three games with with a point spread of a touchdown or a and we talked about the possibility of these backdoor covers Um, unfortunately I laid off of New England because of that but with the other two games with New Orleans against Seattle we saw that depending on what you got the number at and especially with San Diego uh, at Denver so uh, I think that's going to be a theme with with today's podcast as well betting the numbers in these games in the um, upcoming weekend
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and that's what it should always be, and we've been preaching that all season. You've got to find the best numbers. You gotta, I, I understand that not everyone is, is fortunate enough to live in Las Vegas and have a variety of books to go to, but you've you got to shop early in the week. You've got to get an understanding of where you think that line's going to go, and you've got to pounce when you think you have a good opportunity. It's shaky at times because some of these numbers will jump around, but going back to that San Diego game, you're right. It, it's an interesting uh, kind of an aside. We're st- as San Diego backers, the entire damn game we're rooting for a third down, stop all the way up until the end when we needed Peyton Manning to get that third down. And thank God he did, because I can't tell you how many times I've been in a situation where my defense can't get stops. And then at the end of the game where I don't need him to get a stop, because, you know, they get the first down, they run the clock out, that's when they end up getting it and it screws everything up. So well, thankfully that worked out and uh, it led to a nice weekend. But we'll talk about shopping here in a bit because we've got some interesting lines out there.
0: Absolutely. So let's get right into this week. We have, I, I guess they would be considered the dream matchups. If you ask people before last weekend, games, uh, who they'd like to see in the conference championships, I think would be pretty overwhelming. You'd get San Fran, Seattle, and Denver, New England. So we'll start with Denver, New England. Obviously, the media is all over this Brady versus Manning angle. Uh, Tom Brady, 10-4 and 4 in his career against Peyton Manning, including a win earlier this year uh, in overtime in a pretty crazy game on Sunday Night Football as the Broncos led 24 nothing at halftime before the Patriots came back. Um, a muffed punt in overtime as well, uh, to cause the, uh, the game winning field goal by Steven Goskowski there. So that was a crazy game. We get this big matchup and some very interesting line movement in this game because I'm following Denver and San Diego last week, and before that game is even done, a couple of offshores post a line of Denver minus seven against New England. Uh, by nighttime, that line is already down to five, and I even saw it hit four on an offshore yesterday. Back up to five and a half now, so I saw, I think there was some early buy on New England and some buy back on Denver. This to me is a very tough game, Joe. This is a, num- a game where I'm looking to get the best of the number. I played Denver minus four when it got there, and I'm hoping it can ge- even get back. Up to New England in the seven range, I doubt it, but I'd consider coming back the other way in this game as well.
1: Well, that would be the move, especially holding a position at Denver minus four. Um, Let's start with the line movement and make sense of what that is. Game opens around six and a half, like you said, Rob, with Denver as the favorite. Gets bet down as low as four, four and a half. Now, Jay Cornegate, the uh, head sportsbook director at LVH, said uh, said Thursday morning that that was a combination of both sharp and public money, mostly sharp, grabbing the big number with um, New England early on. But he said the public was also involved in that as well. They liked the points. Now, when it got down to four, the buyback at four on Denver – That was the sharp move. They were taking a position there and grabbing the best of it because I don't think they realized, I don't think they believed it was going to get any lower than four. So they did exactly what you did, Rob, and now they're hoping for an opportunity to middle at some point. Although we all know five is a dead number, but six, six and a half, now you're talking about something there. So you've got an opportunity if you don't like either side in the game to at least set yourself up with a position where you can make some money, big money at a low uh, investment rate. When you talk about these two teams, what more can be said that hasn't already been? Uh, you, the 15th matchup between Brady and Peyton Manning. Brady holds the straight-up edge 10-4. to four. He also holds the against the spread edge 8-5-1. Um, when they get together, if you're going to talk about total points, the average is about 54.6 per game that these two put up when they play one another. Eight of the 14 games have gone over 55 total points. Four of the last, or excuse me, five of the last six meetings between these two have been decided by four or fewer points. So we see some close matchups. My initial gut action when I saw six and a half was that I like New England catching all those points. Denver's a good football team. Denver's the better football team in my opinion. You give them some room for home field advantage. But I think New England's going to have an angle here on two fronts offensively. One, the loss of Chris Harris, defensive back for the Denver Broncos. That is a huge blow to this secondary. When Harris exited the game against San Diego last week, with a torn ACL, that's when San Diego started scoring. They had been scoreless to that point. They rattled off all 17 when Harris left the game. He'll be replaced by 34-year-old Quinton Jammer, who hasn't made a play in years. That's one of the reasons San Diego let him go, despite being depleted in the secondary. Denver picking him up for depth, but now they're going to have to get him out there a little bit more than they'd probably like. Rivers noticed it and was targeting him. Brady will probably notice it and will be targeting him as well. Note that Chris Harris this year, according to ESPN's total QB rating, when he's on the field, Denver gives up. A QB rating to the opposition of about 43.6 when Harris is off the field, the rating goes up to 93. So that helps Tom Brady in the passing game, and again, I would anticipate New England doing something similar to what San Diego tried to do with a success back in December when they played on that Thursday night in Denver. Establish the running game, convert on third down, keep Peyton Manning off the field. We didn't see it the last time these two teams got together, because the problem was that Denver jumped up so early with all the turnovers. This time around, it's going to be a little bit different.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't put much stock into the game. Uh, you know, i, I I believe it was back in Week Twelve, but I don't put much stock into that game. Because, I haven't
1: even looked at it, to tell you the truth. I haven't considered that game once in any part of my analysis. I agree.
0: Yeah, that, well, that game first of all was in New England. This game is in Denver. If you look at New England this year, they're nine and zero at home, including last week's playoff win. They're only four and four on the road, and they've struggled even against some poor quality competition. You remember they did lose to the Jets on the road earlier this year. Um, they lost in Cincinnati. Now Cincinnati's that loss was the only loss this year from New England by seven points or more so that that's a good argument in favor of the Patriots in this game and if you remember that game against Cincinnati it was 13-6 and that was basically in a monsoon uh, they, they couldn't pass the ball at all that just was not a game that Brady could perform in the weather is not expected to be that bad this week so that's definitely the case for New England here all year long they've been playing tight competitive games um, they haven't blown out many teams but they've been in the games and they haven't lost by this many points but for Denver you look at them on the other hand, other than that game against the Chargers, which was a Thursday night football game, short rest, they have smoked everybody at home this year, and that includes some good teams as well. So, um, you know, for the that case with the Patriots not losing by a lot, you can make the same case for Denver in that they seem to steamroll everyone uh, when they play in, in Denver, Joe.
1: Excellent point, and I'm glad you brought up the weather because the weather's going to be ideal in Denver. I, this is what, <laughs> I mean, if the gods don't want Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl, I don't know what else to make of this because Denver's supposed to see snow, wind, and inclement weather this time of year, and they're going to get back-to-back playoff games with nothing more than a little bit of wind against San Diego in the first one. Forecast is calling for the 50s. It's going to be sunny. They're not anticipating a lot of wind. This is a, This is a passer's dream. So I think that's one of the reasons some guys would be thinking over on the total Uh, My initial gut instinct on that was go under, but how do you bet under when these two get together? They put shootouts up on the board all the time. So you're right. When you're talking about a bigger number, if you're looking at four in the Seattle-San Francisco game, that's a huge number the way those two play defense. But when you look at the difference between four and a half to six here, granted we want to shop and get a good price, but at the same time you, you can cover these numbers by having a lead and then one big mistake late or the backdoor cover or the situation where you don't want to give the ball back to Brady or you don't want to give it back Mm. to Manning and you're moving down the field trying to score again. You're not going to see these teams Throttling down because they both know they're depleted on the defensive side of the ball and they haven't played very good defense this year. So, a lot of interesting factors to take into account. But, yes, that weather report is key. It should be nice in Denver this weekend and that we should be able to see some
0: scoring. At the end of the day, I, I have a ticket with Denver minus four. Uh, for offshore bettors, you can still bet Denver minus four at Bodog. You have to risk 20 cents instead of the uh, regular five or 10 cents there. But uh, I still think that's a good play. At five and a half, I'm still leaning Denver. Uh, just because I know that I can count on the Broncos to score touchdowns. And you look at the Patriots, they lose Rob Gronkowski, and they've been able to move the ball without him, but they can bog down in the red zone. You look at the guys that Brady's getting the ball to, Edelman and Amendola, uh, these guys are not exactly the biggest, best red zone targets, whereas Gronkowski would have been huge here. So I could see them moving the ball and struggling in the red zone. Uh, that's something to look forward to here. Also, Denver's run defense isn't as bad as people think it is regular season this year they gave up 3.9 yards per carry that's decent not great but not horrible as well so i don't think they're just going to get steamrolled here and finally the the chris harris injury is big for denver but we haven't talked about the injuries for the patriots obviously gronkowski is big but on the defensive side of the ball Already without Vince Wilfork earlier this year, uh, Gerard Mayo out as well. And then they lose Brandon Spikes, who probably wasn't even injured. Sounds like he was just cut for missing a team meeting. Uh, But that was another big blow to this defense as well that's already suffered from injuries, So you put a a bunch of backups on the field against uh, Peyton Manning. Manning's not going to throw at Aqib Tlaib too much. He's going to pick his spots. He's a smart quarterback. I I see Denver scoring a lot of points in this game, Joe.
1: Yeah, and he has enough weapons that if Aqib Talib wants to shut down one of them, he's got three others he can go to. You put... Tlaib on Demarius Thomas, and assuming Tlaib locks him down, which, as good a corner as he is, he's not going to be able to lock him down the entire game. You've still got Welker, you've still got Decker, you've still got Julius Thomas at tight end, plus anybody coming out of the backfield. So it's very difficult to slow this offense down. I like the red zone point you make about New England as well. Just think about the days when Wes Welker was there. Welker would catch 115 passes a season, but he'd score four touchdowns because they could never get him the ball down there. Those small, shifty guys, they're not red zone guys. They're possession guys who can move the sticks, and they- They can get you up and down the field, but they're not the type of guys you're going to target necessarily when you get to the red zone. You need that big threat. You need that Rob Gronkowski, that Jimmy Graham, that Calvin Johnson. It's tough to find those guys, but you still need someone you can throw it up to if the running game's going to ball down a bit when seven, eight guys get up there in the box inside the five-yard line. So that's an excellent point as well. When you look at the scoring, you would think exactly what you're saying, that Denver would score more. They've got a more high-powered offense. They're going against a defense that – I don't know which defense I would consider worse right now. Mm -hmm. I I don't think either of them are very good. I think both are very susceptible. You probably give the edge to Denver because they're going to have the home field crowd noise that benefits them there. So New England's going to need a crafty game plan. What I like in the regard to taking the points with New England is the fact that it's Bill Belichick versus John Fox. Mm -hmm. I don't see John Fox outcoaching Bill Belichick in this game. Almost did it in a Super Bowl.
0: Almost did it in a Super Bowl, though, Joe, if you remember. He had New England-Carolina in the Super Bowl. I can't remember what year this is almost 10 years ago now but uh, that was a, a pretty big spread in favor of New England and Carolina made that a game.
1: Yeah, they did. They did an excellent job, and you're right. He had a nice game there. I think that came down to a Vinatieri field goal like usual. Yeah. That was probably in January 2004, because I remember where I was when that was happening. Um, so, yeah, he, he did do a nice job there, but I still think the guy is too conservative at times. Yeah. And I think Belichick, his history with Peyton Manning, he's found ways to at least mitigate the damage. You're never going to shut down Peyton Manning, but you're going to try to find a way to, instead of letting him go for 404, you let him go for 260-2, and, mm-hmm. and you try to force a turnover in there. San Diego had their opportunities last week. That's what scares me about Denver. San Diego had the opportunities with a worse team than New England and couldn't get it done. Dropped interceptions. The missed tackles. Anyone who bet San Diego knows what I'm talking about because you notice little things like this when the team you're backing doesn't get it done. San Diego missed tackles all over that field from start to finish. It was pathetic. And they waited until the end to start throwing the ball. I I don't think Phillip Rivers took a shot more than 10, 15 yards down the field the first three quarters of the game. They really pigeonholed them themselves because they were at an extreme disadvantage. New England's not at that disadvantage. They've got better personnel. So hell of a football game on tap here. And um, and like you said, Rob, I'm not surprised that we have differing opinions. I grabbed New England at six. I didn't get the six and a half. You got Denver at... At uh, four, I mean, those are two good prices that we found on opposite sides, so that's the best you can hope for at this point. Try to get a good price, lock it in, and then see if the line does something to create another opportunity for you.
0: Absolutely. And you know what? I'm going to uh, suggest a parlay. Well, I'll talk about it at the end of the show, but let's move to our next team. we got Seattle and San Fran, the NFC Championship game. Another dream scenario, I guess uh, you would say, in the NFC. Most people consider these teams to be the two best teams in the NFC, if not the league, uh, as a lot of people thinking that this might be the Super Bowl matchup, Whoever is going to win this game game is going to win the Super Bowl, but uh, you look at the line movement in this game as well. Posted with Seattle minus three, which I thought was a big mistake, jumped all over it when I saw this last weekend, we've seen that move up to three and a half at most spots, there's still some threes available offshore, but you're going to pay some extra juice on them now uh, as well. Now Seattle, we know about their home field advantage, uh, but they have dominated San Fran at home as well in the last couple of years, the last two trips for the 49ers to Seattle have not been kind. Although the 49ers did reverse that trend at Candlestick Park earlier this year where they did knock off the Seahawks 1917, 1917 uh, in what you would call a revenge game. I don't believe in these revenge spots, so so on and so forth. But Joe, I look at this yeah, you line... you
1: talking about it every week. Yeah. You love mentioning revenge just to say you don't like revenge.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why I do that, to be honest. I, so <laughs> many people believe in the revenge spot. This is a story for another day. We talk about it all the time. But uh, I'm more inclined to believe that what I've seen in the past is going to happen again, especially when there's not too many things that are different. Seattle and San Fran pretty similar teams in the last couple years not much has changed both very physical football teams yet both meetings in Seattle have been huge blowouts I would think that that's going to go the same way again maybe not an an epic blowout like the last couple of games but I think Seattle minus three is an awfully short price Joe all right let's start with the obvious how do you power rank these two teams if I I'm power ranking Seattle slightly ahead of San Fran I say maybe they're one point better than San Fran on, uh, on a neutral field
1: okay so you're one point I have it at about a half point right now and I can make the case that I put them as even um, as well as that because San Fran's been red hot they've been a very good football team and with the way Seattle's offense has bogged down the last five weeks putting them at even in the power numbers I don't think that's that far of a stretch so you've got Seattle minus one we'll say I've got them even do you think Seattle's home field is worth three points
0: no it's worth a hell of a lot more than that at least four and a half in my mind
1: Exactly. And I think that number varies between a home game at, you know, one o'clock versus Tennessee during the regular season versus the Saints on Monday night or San Francisco in the playoffs or during primetime. That number's going to go up. I think it's worth four minimum. And then I think it goes up maybe four and a half, five, once you have one of these big, big time matchups when the crowd really gets juiced up. So now you take a look at this and you say you're going to offer three when I know damn well that line shouldn't be three. I jumped on it like you did strictly as a value play. You look at these two teams, uh, the concern for Seattle is the offense. The last five weeks have not been very pretty. Mm. They're averaging 20 points a game, which is an awful, but the defense has been scoring, and the defense has been setting up the short field. When you look at the total yardage, that's the big problem. They're averaging less than 275 total yards per game over the last five weeks. Uh, Percy Harvin, we're not sure if he's going to play. I'd imagine he's going to be out there. But that receiving unit and Russell Wilson, they have bogged down. However... Look at what the defense has done at home this season. Nine games, including the playoffs, less than 14 points per game given up, 22 turnovers forced, 20 sacks amassed. This is a defense that plays very well at home with the crowd noise very, very strong. It's very tough to beat these guys at home, mm-hmm. let alone score points on them. Over the last two years, they've won 16 of 17 games at CenturyLink by an average of 17.8 points per game. So they're hammering people mm-hmm. at home. Now you look at the San Francisco team in the red-hot, I think they've won eight straight. Colin Kaepernick has been playing solid, but this is a house of horrors for this football team. Kaepernick's been here twice, has been blown out by a combined score of 71-16. to 16. I was at that second game back in week two up there, and I'll tell you, that crowd I've said it on this podcast before, I've never seen or been in anything like it. That includes Flyer playoff games when those people go nuts (laughs) in Philadelphia during hockey season. I've heard the the national anthem get delayed because the Let's Go Flyers (laughs) chant won't stop. It's been that intense, but it was nothing compared to what happened at CenturyLink. Outdoor venue, and it's still very loud. So you you have that angle, the fact that Kaepernick's played poorly here and the Niners, uh, they played very poorly here, they've covered one of the last five at CenturyLink and zero of the last four against Seattle. Here's the big thing going back to the analysis you said of when these two play each other. When it's in Seattle, it's very lopsided. That Week 2 game, Russell Wilson and the offense didn't do very much. The defense controlled the tempo and that was still a pretty bad beatdown. Mm -hmm. In Seattle, Seattle dominates. In San Francisco, it's not the same case. Seattle's gone down there two years in a row and has hung very tight with them, and outside of that big Frank Gore Break, breakaway yeah, yep. run at the end of that game um, a few weeks back uh, Seattle has a chance to win that football game right. you know San Fran had to eke that out on their home turf but Seattle blast them when it's up in Seattle so for me line value number 1 and number 2 even if that line was 3 in the hook I would probably still be looking to Seattle strictly because of the fact that at home field I think it's worth more than 4 and they seem to own the 49ers up there I don't know what I'm supposed to, why I would think San Francisco is going to go up here and be able to do something different the only reason it would be closer would be would be because the Seattle offense would struggle, not because the San Francisco offense is suddenly going to wake
0: up. Yeah, this is a case of buy low, sell high in my opinion. You get, uh, in my opinion, the best team in the National Football League in Seattle Seahawks uh, who who are at their low point right now. They're not looking impressive. Like you said, it's been a month since they've played uh, very well offensively. Even last week, you think about that game against New Orleans, despite the fact that they're leading by 16 late in the fourth quarter which is very impressive against a good New Orleans team. uh, Still, people People look at that and it was like, uh, you know, they, they let New Orleans hang around, so on and so forth. And on the other side of things, you get San Fran, who played an amazing second half in Carolina, but there was a point in that first half where the 49ers are being outgained almost two, by 140 yards. It was 200 to 60 right how around quick, there.
1: How quick did that narrative change in that game? We were talking about how great Newton and the Panthers right. looked and how many yards they were rolling up and bam in the second half the whole thing swung people forget about
0: that well if Ron Rivera throws the ball on the goal line uh, occasionally maybe it's a different story you know you don't run on San Fran at the one yard line everyone knows that they don't give up rushing touchdowns they haven't done it for the last two years so that's just some bad game planning altogether. together what about and-
1: this concept though this is the thing I can't believe more people don't do this if you're gonna go for it like that rush up to the line of scrimmage and sneak it yep. the worst thing that could possibly happen is San Fran calls a timeout because they're not set. Don't go to the goddamn end of the first quarter and give San Francisco five minutes to figure out how they want to defend you, and then come out and sneak it. If you're going to sneak it, your quarterback's got to be smart enough to hustle everyone up to the line of scrimmage and do it very quickly. Brady and Manning are not mobile quarterbacks, and they pull this off all the time. Yet Newton and Kaepernick, and the best runners in the game, still don't get this concept.
0: At the end of the day, I just think San Fran's win last week was a bit of a farce. Now, granted, they go to Carolina, they beat down the Panthers, but that game uh, was was a lot closer than the final score would indicate, especially since it was a tale of two halves. And Carolina just didn't capitalize on their opportunities in the first half. Uh, some questionable officiating as well. I don't want to get into that. Uh, I'm not. I'm not a believer in fixed games or anything like that. And definitely Carolina was deserving of getting some of the penalties that they got. Uh, but. You know, similar situations happen later in the game where the 49ers weren't flagged for similar offenses, but uh, regardless, I just think it's a buy low, sell high situation I cannot believe the amount of public action on the 49ers, granted I get it, they're hot, like you said uh, 8 straight wins, I believe they've covered uh, something like 9 straight games on the road I could be wrong there, but they've been a very good road covering machine as well um, but this line doesn't make any sense to me uh, I think this is a really cheap price and on top of that, you look at the X's and O's of this game the 49ers have these big physical receivers. They have the Anquan Boldens, uh, Vernon Davis, Michael Crabtree. They're able to out-physical a lot of other teams. We saw that last week against Carolina. But you're not going to do that against the Seahawks. The Seahawks have the most physical secondary in the league. Uh, Richard Sherman, Walter Thurmond, uh, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas. These are big guys that will get in your face Colin Kaepernick is going to make some mistakes in this game. You know, he's been playing well, and Russell Wilson has been struggling. But if you give me one of the quarterbacks to have in a big game, I'm taking Russell Wilson over Colin Kaepernick.
1: Man, a variety of good points that I want to hit on. I should have been writing this down <laughs> because I've got so much to counter on that. Um, Okay, number one, talking about the Saints game last week, they didn't look all that good offensively, and they still controlled that game the entire way. The entire way. That's the sign of a good football team. You're not playing all that great on offense, and you still own that game from start to finish. Granted, New Orleans got themselves back in it, but the bottom line was Seattle was never really in that bad a danger. I don't even think they were ever trailing in that game. So the reality is, even on a bad day at home, they still look pretty damn tough. That's number one. Number two, I'm glad you brought up the officiating from last week. I'm not going to complain about it because people made an excellent point. The NFL is never going to change this. It's never going to get better. It's like complaining about sitting in traffic (laughs) or someone going slow in the left-hand lane. There's nothing you can do about it, so you let it go. But there is an angle to that for this week. Jim Harbaugh is notorious for lobbying the officials going into big games in the playoffs. And you see this in basketball and hockey during the playoffs all the time. If you get In these seven-game series, if you get a game that you feel you were hosed on a couple calls, the coach comes out the next night or that night, starts complaining about the officiating, and bam, you get a couple extra power plays or a couple extra fouls going your way in the next game. We see it every single year in those two sports. Harbaugh won't have that luxury this time around. He caught enough breaks in that game last week. Any official who was watching knows San Francisco caught everything positive just about in that game. So with that being said, there is no lobbying. And if you wanna lobby officials, this is the week to do it because of the way the cornerbacks in Seattle right. play. They're very physical. They get their hands on you. You would want to convince the rest to start throwing flags, but you're not going to be able to do that this week. That's a huge advantage for Seattle. Now, I'm trying to figure out what some of the other points you were making were, but I'm already blanking on it. But, um, yeah, those were, I think, the two I wanted to hammer on. As for the value of the price, though, uh, you, you, you look at San Francisco and you just think they've been good. But, and oh, yeah, this was what it was. I'm all over the map right now. The last nine road games, I think they're 8-1 and one against the numbers. Right. So they've been outstanding covering on the road. But this is a place where they go and they don't cover. Right. This is different than everything else in the league. They did it against Carolina. They did it against Green Bay. Those two teams are not Seattle.
0: The last point I'll make on this game, Joe, is we actually should take the spot into account here as well. Rarely do you take the spot into account for uh, NFL playoff games. So much on the line, obviously, going to the Super Bowl. But two weeks ago, Seattle was at home resting. And they played a home game last week and they got to stay at home. You look at the 49ers in the last month. End of December, they went to Arizona. They eke out an overtime win there. Then they have to go to Lambeau Field to play Green Bay. They eke out a last second win there. Then they travel to Carolina to take on the Panthers, very physical football team. Now they travel to Seattle. That's four straight weeks of traveling. That's going to take a, you know, a huge toll on any football team. This could be the game where the wheels fall off.
1: Not only that, here's another one for you. In the last four years, the teams that have played on Saturday in the divisional round and won have gone 7-1 and one the following week when playing the, the, um, with the, the, the opponent who played on Same. Sunday, meaning New England played on Saturday, right. uh, Seattle played on Saturday, San Fran and Denver both played Sunday. Last four years... and the team's in the Saturday spot, against the number 5-3. and So not as much of an edge right there, but it still shows us something over the last few years. When you want to talk about the spot, I do think that's worth bringing into account. Not only is Seattle a team that's favored by the fact that they have have had all the rest and haven't had to travel, but they also get the extra day over San Francisco regardless. So that's you're right, that is a tough spot, and that's something we should have probably brought brought up a
0: little bit earlier. Uh Joe, uh, finally, let's talk a little bit about the total in this game just because there's been such movement. Now, uh I would have leaned to the under at first, you get a posted total of 41. That's been bet down to 38 and a half now. I just have a general philosophy in the NFL nowadays that I don't bet unders on totals lower than 40. Uh it's a different game than it used to be. Before you used to see some low scoring uh you know 6-3 9-6 type of games when you put two def- good defenses against each other, but now turnovers play a huge factor. Quarterbacks can run the ball. It's just there's more points scored in the league nowadays. So I try tend to avoid those totals. You have any lean uh on the total right now at 38 and a half?
1: I'd say over. I, yeah. I'd say the same thing as you. I don't want to play the under. You look at the two defensive matchups, the two de- the defensive matchup between two great defensive units. Last week I liked it because you're hanging 43 to open and then you can grab it at 42 when you're talking about Carolina and uh, San Francisco this week. No, I don't think that because I, Seattle can get their points. The last few times, even though the offenses look bad, the last few times they played San Francisco, they found a way to put points up. What well, they put almost 30 up themselves in the last game back in Week 2, and then they smashed them at the end of the season in 2000, what was it, 12. Yep. So they can score, and their defense can set up the short field. And when you look at these quarterbacks, Kaepernick's been playing better as of late, but he's got the tougher defensive matchup, especially being on the road, so he could make some mistakes in his own territory. And Russell Wilson, despite the fact that he hasn't looked that great, he could make a couple of mistakes in his own territory and that sets up the other team for some points so for me I look at that not line, keep knocking it down I might consider an over although that's like me looking at Brady and Manning and saying well I lean to the under yes. but why the hell would I want to go against two shootout quarterbacks
0: exactly exactly alright Joel let's wrap this up um my my two plays this weekend on these games will be uh, Denver minus four. Like I said, I still do lean to Denver if I had to play the game regardless, but I'm not betting it at five and a half. I think four is a good number. I also like Seattle minus three. Same thing in that game. Uh, I do like Seattle at minus three and a half. I just obviously prefer to play it at three because it's a better number. Uh, But one play that I really like this weekend, and I I had hinted to it beforehand, I like a money line parlay between both these two teams. I think we're getting a Denver-Seattle Super Bowl. Uh, I'm a little bit scared of the New England backdoor cover in that game, but I think Denver could win, uh, Denver wins that game. Same with Seattle, San Fran. San Fran plays a lot of close games, so I like Seattle to win the game. I I do think that they're going to win the game by double digits, but ultimately it could be a close game where Seattle wins by a field goal, and then I'll just be happy that I played it on the money line. That's paying plus 120 uh, Seattle Denver parlay. I like that play a lot, Joe.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think that money line or that money line parlay is probably a smart move. Um, especially if you feel Seattle, uh, like, like I do, if you feel they're they're pretty much, they're pretty solid to win that game, um, then you don't even have to worry about giving up the points with Denver. So I'm good with that. Um, Seattle obviously is my favorite play of the week at the three. I played New England at six, and I, I'm hoping it gets back there. I might fire a little bit more. I don't like it nearly as enough uh, as much. So that's what I do. For the six point teaser fans out there who are going to be you know a little timid about laying either of these numbers, well, which direction do you go with both of them? Because are, are you, would you take Seattle plus three or would you feel more confident getting nine nine mm-hmm. and a half, ten right. with San
0: Francisco that's a tough one I, w- I personally would be more comfortable taking Seattle plus three but I, I don't think you're getting much value in crossing over to the other side there so it's, it's really a tough one um, I I'm considering playing alternate spreads myself as well with Denver minus nine and a half and Seattle minus nine and a half so to say I'd be confident in San Fran uh, at that number it would be a lie
1: no, so you think, yeah, you figure you tease it through three. Now, you're not doing the right move with the key numbers. You're getting it off three, but you're right. not moving through two key numbers. Exactly. Because even if you, the three is still on the board, you're going to be on three the other way. So so that's a good, you know, we all know what happens with that number. So you got to be real careful there. So you're right. But then again, if you feel they're going to win the game, boom, you know, you're in decent shape. Right. So. That's not bad. If you're going to tease the other way, what are you going to do? do? you tease Denver down and just play them to win it, or do you tease it up and take New England plus all the points?
0: Yeah, see, again, I, I think most people would, I, I would add, if I had no opinion on the game, I would say that New England would be the play. I would say New England and San Fran would be your teaser plays. You're getting a little bit better value on it. It's less likely to be a blowout in this type of game than the underdog winning. Uh, in, you know, But I do have an opinion on both sides, so that's where it's tough for me to play a teaser this week.
1: Yeah, I, I think the same thing. I think maybe um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be, you know, adverse to teasing Denver down and making sure all they have to do is win. But the reality of that is I, I don't like the value teasing the other exactly. way with, Tampa, with, with Seattle. So it's probably a week to pass. Um, one quick note, we might as well touch on this before we get to it in a couple of weeks with all the props and everything. Um, do you think there's value in grabbing any of these early Super Bowl lines based on the matchups? Do you think that what could happen this weekend could influence these lines enough that you might get better value now? Because the way it looks is you've got Seattle favored over both AFC teams, yep. San Fran favored over New England, but a dog to Denver. So anything there?
0: Uh, quick question: Is San Fran under? Uh, sorry, is Seattle under a field goal against both New England and Denver?
1: It depends on where you look. I think it's. I, I do believe so. I think it's two and a half or one and a half.
0: I think there's a good chance that Seattle blows out San Fran this week, and that's going to create a, an inflated line for the Super Bowl, possibly. Uh, but I could see the same for Denver as well. I do like Seattle to win the Super Bowl. I'm going to say that now. Uh, if it's under a field goal in the Super Bowl, if they do make it and they play New England or Denver, I'm taking Seattle. I'll, t- I'll say that right now. I just think they're the most complete team in football. So if you can get a line of NFC uh, minus 2.5 versus AFC right now, I like that too because... I also think San Fran beats Denver or New England as well. So that's another prop to consider. But if you're just playing the uh, straight-up advanced you know spreads, I, I do like Seattle there, Joe.
1: Now let me ask you this. Would you be more confident with Seattle as your bet? Would you be more confident with them playing New England or Denver?
0: Absolutely New England.
1: Absolutely New England? Really? Yeah,
0: yeah. absolutely New England. I think even
1: though, Now let me ask you, that even though New England is better in that outdoor weather, is more familiar with it, you'd still rather have the New England lineup in there because I, I take it you would assume New England's offense wouldn't be able to get a whole lot going there.
0: I don't think they will. I, I just don't see them getting it going. They, they've had some trouble against good defenses this year. You look at Tom Brady, he's had probably his worst season you know, that you can remember, 25 touchdown passes, compared to Peyton Manning, who's breaking records. You give Manning two weeks to prepare for a defense – the, it, that's that's a tough thing to play against. No matter how good the defense is, I would be much more confident playing New England.
1: Yeah, that's a good call because you know I kept thinking I kept taking that weather into account and I was giving New England the edge. But the reality is, you're right. Um, it, it... Manning give each guy 2 weeks they're going to be dangerous but Manning's got the weapons and can find a way to score against Seattle. You wouldn't want to have to deal with uh you wouldn't want to have you'd rather you wouldn't want to have to deal with those weapons right. over what you can get in the uh, on the New England side. So yeah, I think that's a pretty good call right there. I'm in agreement. I
0: just think Denver has also been more consistent this year. Um, you know, obviously you can make pros and cons for both And obviously Manning's career numbers suggest He's not as good in the cold He's not as good outdoors in the winter As Tom Brady uh, We've seen that before But it's a couple weeks to prepare It's a Super Bowl It's a big game And Denver's shown the consistency this year Whereas New England, as I mentioned uh, Preluding this matchup to Denver They're only 4-4 four and four on the road this year They haven't played well away from home Even some of their wins have been really, really dicey wins Against bad teams So... You know, they had that win at Atlanta. Week one at Buffalo, they won by a couple points. So the Patriots aren't a good road team. I know it's a Super Bowl, it's closer to home for them. But uh, I like Seattle. I, I think that, honestly, I think that they should be favored, you know, three and a half to four points over, regardless of who they play.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there. And you look at New England. You made an excellent point when Brady plays against the good defenses. I think back to that Cincinnati game. I get the the weather was inclement, but you could have the same thing in New York for the Super Bowl. Um, it's obviously not a true road game compared to like going into Cincinnati, but they really struggled with that team. Really, struggled. Yeah. I think they only scored three six points. Six in that points. Game. Six it points. Had a chance to come down late, but they didn't do a whole lot. So yeah, that's an excellent point there. So we'll have more to talk about. And I'm sure we'll have a prop betting extravaganza yep. as well because oh man, come! I think it's going to be towards the end of next week some of the sportsbooks here in vegas they roll out books with 350 to 600 props it's going to be crazy
0: absolutely uh just a a programming note for all the listeners out there there won't be a show next week we're not going to sit here and try to break down the pro bowl for half an hour with uh <laughs> who deon sanders is going to pick with his first overall pick in the new pro bowl format or anything so two weeks from now uh the thursday uh and, and friday we'll, we'll break down the super bowl as well as give out our favorite props joe
1: Yeah, that sounds good. I'm looking forward to that. We'll have a lot of prep work in for that. There's a lot of guys I talk to here in town trying to get some of the best plays on the board to put together and post a national football post, and uh, I'll make sure to have those ready for the podcast as well. It's a fun time, and and a lot of times, you know, if you don't like the game, you can have plenty of good action on some of these props. I had all my action on props last year, and I got my ass kicked. So (laughs) hopefully we'll turn around this year, and it'll be uh, a little bit of a better run.
0: All right, Joel. Pleasure breaking it down. Uh, We'll do it again in a couple weeks. Good luck this weekend.
1: No doubt. Good luck, everybody. Thanks for listening. Hit us up on Twitter if you have any last questions.
0: Absolutely. You can follow Joe Fortenbaugh on Twitter, at Joe Fortenbaugh, myself, at Rob Pozzola. This has been the Nickel Package Conference Championship Weekend in the NFL. Good luck with your plays this weekend. For even more of the best picks in football this week, be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Rob Pozzola and at Joe Fortenbaugh.